Welcome to the Renew Life Church Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Well, good morning. Y'all doing all right? I do that every time with y'all. It's not the morning time. You didn't. Even, you don't even know, right? Is it? Yeah, it's 1210. You know, let's just, you guys are dismissed. Thanks so much for coming today. We got some goods in worship, right? Wasn't that good? Hey, you know, they, the worship team comes up here every Sunday and just kind of quite honestly kills it. They just do an amazing job for us. So can we give them just a big hand clap this morning? Thankful for them. I want to start off with a quick testimony. You know, this is one of, uh, it's on the heart of Braden just to start sharing a little more testimonies about what's happening in our church and had something pretty cool happen about two months ago. And uh, in our young adult community, we had everybody over at our house for our, our home group that we do twice a month. And um, I had gotten a word uh, to, to pray for a broken leg. And I'll just let you know, I wasn't excited about this word. And I was like, Lord, how about a headache? Let's do a headache. Headache would be good. Broken leg, I ain't there yet, Lord. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, I ain't there yet. And so I, I just felt it really, really strong. So I'm watching all, all the young adults come into my house, and I'm looking for a cast. I'm looking for crutches. I'm, if Just give me an ace bandage, for goodness sake, you know? Guess what? There was none of that. And so I'm like, okay, I missed it. Well, in, long story short, at the end of the night, I just couldn't get it out of my mind, and the Holy Spirit was just impressing it upon me. So I, uh, I said, anybody here just have a broken leg? And sure enough, this girl was there, and she had gotten injured in the soccer accident, and she had fractured a small part of her, uh, right above her ankle in, in her leg. And, um, and she, she said she'd had pain the last year and a half to two years. And um, so I was just honestly in that moment full of faith. It was like uh, here someone was, there was only probably 25, 28 people there that night. So for one of them to have a broken leg, it's like, okay, that's probably God. And um, so we laid hands on her, prayed for her. Well, she just showed up this last Tuesday again to our home group. We were sharing testimonies. She raised her hand. She said, hey, last time I was here, y'all prayed for my leg because I would fractured it. And ever since you prayed, I've been pain-free and been walking on it like I haven't been ever before. <clears throat> Pretty amazing. She'd been in pain for almost two years, and it just got completely healed. So um, come on, God is good. Amen. That means, that here, here's what this means. You hear this testimony, he can do the same for you. You say, I don't have a broken leg. Well, maybe you have a broken relationship. Maybe you have an area in your physical body where you need help. Guess what? God can do it. God can heal you. God, I said God can do it. Jesus is a healer. He came, and when he walked on the face of the earth, he went about doing good and healing. Three of you knew the scripture. All, okay. No, he... He, he did. He went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And I love this. No matter who you are, you fall into the all. Amen. Amen. Well, today, um, you know, Cody's kind of already got us on track. Because today I really want to talk to you about just regaining our sight and our passion and refocusing our eyes and our life back on to Jesus. I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever noticed in your life that you can lose sight of Jesus really easy? Anybody know what I'm talking? Anybody ever lost sight of Jesus? You know, we, we kind of walk through life and it, and it gets busy and, and, and we have sin in our life and we have distractions in our life and, and all these things they can kind of, you've heard plenty of messages about those things distracting us and, and us losing our sight of Jesus in those moments. 
But today I kind of want to give you a new thought and a new idea because not only can the world and distractions uh, really just distract our sight of Jesus, but I've even found that even in our pursuit of the things of God, we can lose our sight of Jesus. In our pursuit of the principles that we find in the Word, in our pursuit of cool theological ideas, in the pursuit of really popular topics, in the pursuit of you can any subject, healing, faith, spiritual gifts, what, what, words of knowledge, prophecy, we, here's what we can do. We can get, sometimes we can get so focused on a subject and a principle that we forget that this whole thing is actually about a pseudonym. Hear me today, Christianity is not the pursuit of principles, it's the pursuit of a person. It is the pursuit of of a man that changed our life. It is a pursuit of an event that marked history. It is a pursuit of a man named Jesus who really lived, who really walked on the earth, who really walked on the water, who really healed people, who really raised himself from the dead. This whole thing got changed. This whole world shifted because of a man who walked the earth for 33 years. This is why you are here today. This is why you should be here today. It's because of Jesus. Now, before I go any further, i got to throw a little disclaimer out. Am I saying that pursuing the things of God is a bad thing? Absolutely not. Are principles bad? Are subjects like healing, faith, and spiritual gifts bad? No, they're not. But you know what I figured out? When I pursue those things detached from Jesus, I'm missing the whole point to begin with. All of those things actually point back to him. There's a story in Matthew chapter 17 that I want us to read this morning that kind of shares this idea with us. And Matthew, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. It's about the Mount of Transfiguration. This is the moment that, that Jesus, he, he, he transfigured. He changed his, his countenance. It was, it was amazing. It was a miracle. It's kind of a fun little party. I want to read it to you. Verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. In case you're not familiar with your Bible a little bit, Moses and Elijah, they've been dead for a long time. Just wanted to throw that out there. Make sure you knew. Moses and Elijah, are show, they're, they're showing up. They're back from the dead in this moment. And here Peter, James, and John, they're seeing Jesus, Moses, and Elijah right there in front of them. Verse 4, Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. It was God speaking. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, here's the, here's the part. When they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone. And here, here's this next part I want you to, to grab hold of. And they saw only Jesus. 
they saw only who? They saw only Jesus. There's a reason for that, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Before we do, I want to title today's message, Jesus Focus. Jesus Focus. Let's pray. Jesus, we just we love you. We thank you that you're available to all of us. And we just connect our heart to you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to just to be in this service, and we ask you to do what only you can do, and that's point people to Jesus. <clears throat> it's to remind us of truth. And so today we just know, God, that you're here, and that you're here to do a work in us. No matter how long we've been gone, no matter how much we've messed up, no matter all the things going on in our life, you are here to touch us today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. 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 Um, maybe you've heard this phrase before um, or this expression. You, you kind of say it about different people. You say, well, th- those people, they, they can't see the forest for the trees. Anybody ever heard that expression for that statement? They can't see the forest for the trees. In other words, this expression means that sometimes people get so bogged down in the details that they completely miss the big picture. You know where I see this a lot as a pastor? I see it a lot when people are getting ready to get married. Wedding planning. It's like they get so bogged down in the details. It's got to be these flowers, and it's got to be this dress, and it's got to be uh, it's got to be this guy. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I picked him. It's, why does it have to be him? But it's got to be him. It's like you get all the details, and then I, I know <laughs> that was I didn't. Yeah. All right. And then all of a sudden, it's like they show up the day that they're getting married, and they're standing there in front of everybody, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm getting married. I'm getting married today." Yeah, that's what you've been missing out on this whole time. You got so bogged down in the details that you forget that this is a love affair, that this is a romance. And so we sometimes we just we miss we miss the forest for the trees. This happens a lot in in athletics. I I remember when I was giving a um, a quarterback lesson to a guy not too long ago and I show up and this kid, he's, he's, got a, he's got a really good arm, but more than that, he just throws a really, really pretty ball. He just, and the guys, I'm talking to you right now, I mean, he just threw a great spiral. And, and there's just something about a great spiral that speaks to your soul. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you, you don't want to see no Peyton Manning wobbly ball out there. You want to see, uh, Pat, I mean, I like Peyton, but he just, he throws ducks, all right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now there's like Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, uh, Cat from Kansas, Patrick Mahomes, they spin the ball. You know what I'm saying? Y'all don't know what I'm saying. But anyway, <laughs> this kid was throwing just beautiful spirals. And so um, before I get out there, I'm watching him throw. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to be here, but we're gonna, I'm going to get paid, so let's do this. Um, so I start giving him a lesson. And the moment I begin to coach him, he just starts getting worse. It goes from a pretty spiral to a Peyton Manning duck. Sorry again. It just, it, it, his, it, his ball just gets worse, and so it starts getting worse, so then I start trying to just, just nitpick any little thing. Okay, well, make sure it's coming off your finger the right way, and make sure when you follow through that your thumb comes to your hip, and make sure you use your hips as you're throwing and put it all together. And I'm telling you, if I, can, I can mess some people up. I know too much about throwing the football. I can really mess some people up, and I'm just messing this kid up. And it's the longer I coached him, the worse he got. And finally, after about 20 minutes, I'm thinking, wow, I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> These parents are paying me to screw up their kid right now. This is what's happening. And finally, I just, I didn't know what else to do. So I was like, you know what? I'll never forget. I, I told him, I was like, hey, listen, dude, just, just stop. 
this is, this is bad. Just stop. Like, here's what I want you to do. Just be an athlete. Really good advice, by the way. Just be an athlete. Here's what you're going to do. Pick up the ball and throw it over there. Just forget everything I've told you. Just, just be an athlete. Just pick up this ball. Just make it simple. Go back to the simple thing. Just have fun. Pick up the ball and just throw it over there. And sure enough, he picked up the ball, threw it, spiral came back. He came back for more lessons. It was great. Everything worked out. But he, he, he worked out his mess. He worked out my mess that I put on him. And I tell you that story today because I think it's a great example of what we do to ourselves. We're the player and we're the coach. And many times in our relationship with God, you know what we do? We stand outside of ourselves, and we, be, we, we just go to tweaking everything that we do. Oh, you, you know, it doesn't look perfect. It doesn't look, it doesn't look exactly that. You're not pursuing God exactly the way that you should. Oh, you said a cuss word this week. Oh, you, you, you messed up a little bit. Oh, you were mean to your kids. You need to do this, 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 and this. And we, we begin to, anybody know what I'm talking about? And we, we, we look at ourselves. We nitpick every little thing that's wrong, and we try every little thing that could be right. And can I just say, I believe sometimes God is just like, just be an athlete. In other words, God is saying, would you just stop and just be a son? Would you stop and just be a daughter? Would you stop trying to figure all this out and, and, and interpret all this scripture that can be so complicated sometimes? And would you just remind yourself of the simplicity of Jesus? Focus back on Jesus. Remember back Jesus. Put your, put your focus and, and your attention and your remembrance back on the one who started this whole thing to begin with. Isn't it interesting for me, this was, this was true for me. It's probably true for many of you. You were most on fire the moments after you met Jesus. And guess what? The moments after you, you met Jesus, you knew nothing. You, you didn't even know half as much as what you know now. So here you are in a state of not knowing half as much. Here, we'll say it this way. Here you are in a state of immaturity, and you're more on fire in making more of an effect around the, uh, of the people around you than you have maybe in many, many years. What's the point? Jesus is the point. It's not about principles. It's about a person. He's the one who saved us. He is the point. And this is what the story of the Mount of Transfiguration was all about. Here, this amazing thing's happening. You got Jesus, you got Moses, you got Elijah. Just so you know, this story is more than just a cool story. That's actually representation of what Scripture says. Here we have Moses. You know what he represented? He represented the law. He represented the Old Covenant. He represented the, the way that people used to pursue God. You know how they used to do it? sacrifice, try to get their life right, do all the things that were right so they could be worthy to be in his presence, to be worthy to be a Christian. That was what the law was. Here, that's what Moses represented. Here you have Elijah who was like the prophet of all prophets. All right, he did amazing things. Every prophet, guess what? You know who they prophesied of? They prophesied about Jesus. Isn't it interesting when God began to speak in this moment, he did not point out the fact that Moses and Elijah were there. You know what he said? 
This is my dearly loved son in whom I'm well pleased. In that moment, Peter, James, and John, they fell to their face. Jesus walks over and he wakes them up. And guess who's the only one out of the three left? Jesus. As if to say this, it always will be, it always has been about one thing, about one person, and his name is Jesus. You know what scripture says? It says Jesus came and he fulfilled the law and the prophets. He fulfilled them. In other words, a life of just pursuing principles, nitpicking your life, trying to get yourself fixed up, it's gone. It vanished. In other words, it's all about the one who was left in the moment. It's about Jesus. It's about him and him alone. I'm so glad that the disciples didn't wake up and and only Moses was standing there with the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not. He wasn't left. The Ten Commandments weren't left. Only Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way. Verses 1 and 2. says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Isn't this interesting? I mean, what a a statement. It's like we're going to run this race that God has set before us. In other words, this is how we live the life of faith. This is how we get rid of the things that slow us down. This is how we get rid of the, 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 the sin in our life. And the next verse doesn't say, here's how you do it. Go back to all your crap and deal with it. Go back and pick out all the little things that are wrong with you. Focus on them. Find a counselor. Get them to help you with that specific thing. And can I just say, that can work, and that's okay, and and I've done it, but there's something that's a little bit more powerful than that. You know what he says next? You want to deal with all this? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Your first stop should not be you and your sin and your mess up. Your first look should be to him. Jesus, I'm looking at you because you initiated this dang thing, and you're going to perfect this thing in my life. You started it. Jesus started your faith, and I'm so glad that when he started it, he didn't say, hey, this is awesome. Now you got this, right? Hey, I'm awesome. Follow me. Cool. You got it. No, he said he's the champion who initiates it, and then he perfects it. In order for Jesus to perfect your life, he's got to be involved in it. In order for Jesus to perfect your life, it's got to be more than just some principles that you are pursuing. It's got to be more than just some good ideas. It's got to be more, this whole thing, it's got to be more than just you fixing the sin in your life. Oh my gosh, can I, I'm I'm just going to preach for a second. I'm so done with that. You should be so done with the sin in your life. My conversation with God has gone from being 90% about sin to, to 90% about him. 
God, what are you saying today? God, what do you want to do today? God, what message do you want me to preach? God, what would you like me to say to them? God, they're going through this. What would you say about this situation? It has nothing to do with me. Because I'm looking at Jesus, and I'm telling you this, the more you look at Jesus, the more your eyes will go off yourself and onto him. You know what has you looking back at your, your, your yourself? Religion does. Religion, here's what it boils down to. Deep down on the inside, the reason we lose sight of Jesus is because all the way down in, in, in the root of what we're doing, here's our Christian walk is all about what we can do for God. And, and I'm going to slow down here. The reason that we lose sight of Jesus, one of the main reasons, is because deep down on the inside, we're still trying to prove it instead of believing that we're approved. We're trying to prove it. We're trying to prove this thing. I'm a good Christian. I'm a tithe. I'm a serve. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do all these things. And you're doing things for God instead of doing things because of God. Because of him. Pretty amazing, though. Even if you're doing that, his grace covers it. Even if you're doing that, you can still find him in it. Even if you're doing that, you can get your life straight and, and you can work on things and they will work because God's, God's ways work. I'm just revealing to you a better way. Jesus said what? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. The better way is Jesus. shared this in our pre-service meeting today. It's like, I've been going to church for so long and I've been preaching for almost, I'm going to make it sound longer than it is, almost a decade. That's just 10 years, dude. But I've been doing it for so long and before I even, even as a pastor going to church, it's, I, I never wake up, I never wake up on Sunday and think, I wonder if I'm going to go today. Eh. Never had the option, number one. But even before that, it was, it, I just, I, I went. And many of you do the same thing, and it's an amazing habit, and it's a really good habit. But can I just say, sometimes we just going through the motions, and, and, and we wake up, and we're just, where, where are you going? I'm going to church. I always go to church. And then you're at church. Instead of thinking, I'm leaving my house today to meet with my heavenly Father. I'm leaving my house today to gather with the body of Christ. And because scripture says, do not forsake the, the gathering of the assembly of the people of God. I'm going today because I know that God said he is in the midst of two or more who believe in him. And, 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 and my life begins to get wrapped around Jesus and God, my, my focus begins to get wrapped around a person, a relationship. Hear me today, you have nothing to prove. You are 110% stamped with approval by your heavenly father. You say, you don't know my life. You don't know my life. <laughs> That's a Braden thing. He says that at least five times a day. You know what? I don't. I don't know your life, but I know the one who is life. He is all that matters. Where sin abound, abounds, 
that much more does grace abound. Who is grace? Jesus. Am I saying that you need to stop tithing, serving, doing all these things? No, not saying that. I'm saying it's time for you to remember why. It's time for you to switch your motivation. It's time for you to turn your focus in your heart. It's time for you to restoke that fire, that, that thing that used to burn within you whenever people talked about Jesus. It's time to move from waking up in the morning and as soon as you wake up, one of the first thoughts that comes to your head is like, man, I, I, better, I better read my Bible today. I better read my Bible. I better listen to, I better listen to Caleb all the way to work today. All the way, not just halfway, always. I better tell somebody about Jesus today because that's what a good Christian does. All godly things, but can I tell you there's a better way to think? And I'm inviting you on this journey that I'm taking even right now. I haven't, I'm, not, I'm not there. But over the last month or so, I've been endeavoring to wake up in the morning and instead of thinking about all the things that I'm supposed to do for God, I begin to, to, to put my focus on Jesus himself. And instead of thinking, man, I better read my Bible today, it's more like, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Thank you that I was, I, I, I was, I was a sinner. I knew nothing, deserved nothing, and you came and you saved my life. And today, as I get into Scripture, I believe that I'm not just reading the Word, I'm reading you. You are the Word. And as I open up my Bible today, Jesus, I'm focused on you. Will you speak to me? Will you show me yourself in this Word? I'm telling you, something changes whenever you actually invite the person into the room that you're reading about. There's something changes and when you picture, and I've done this before, I picture the Holy Spirit, I picture Jesus being in my passenger seat as I'm driving to work. And I'm not thinking, man, I better, I'm better, I better listen to Caleb so I don't listen to my rap or my, which, listen to your rap, your edited rap. <laughs> Steve-O listens to heavy metal, like Christian heavy metal. Nobody listens to Christian heavy metal. But do your thing, bro. Do, do your thing. One song. We're just one Sunday, one song is all. Maybe start at five minutes because nobody will be here before service, but we're going to get one in. But I'm not, can I just say, can I just say this? I'm, I don't struggle with like, oh, I better turn off this song and listen to worship. As soon as I get in my car, worship music comes on. My kids, I don't even think my kids know there's other music out there. They're just immediately in the car. No matter the time of day, hands raised. I'm just giving you a little, little tip so it's not so weird. Anybody else just worship like crazy in your car? You know what I'm saying? All right, here's the thing. If somebody catches you like this, just wave at them. Just act like you've been waving the whole time. If you got two hands up, you should never have two hands up because you need your hand on the steering wheel. If you close your eyes, you better be in the passenger seat. Don't close. 
but I've, I, I, in my journey with God, I wake up and, and here's, here's my response. I can't wait to worship. I can't wait to worship him. And there is a point in your life when you fall so in love with him that it's all that you wanna do. You get it. I think the point is that we need to fall in love with him every day. And it, I find this to be true for me. It seems like when I go to sleep, it's like <laughs> uh, memory just gets erased. It's almost like I fall out of love with him. Anybody remember the movie, 50 First Dates? You need to put in the video every single day and remind yourself, that's what Jesus did. That's who Jesus is. He's mighty counselor. He's mighty God. He is prince of peace. His, his eyes are like flames of fire. He came and he saved me when I didn't deserve it. I remember the cross today. I remember he's the only man who, who, who died and raised himself from the dead. I remember today, Jesus, that you are seated in heavenly places. And the word says that you're interceding on my behalf. In other words, you know what Jesus is talking good about you to God? He's saying, hey, God, check out my boy Keith. He woke up today. How cool is he? Look at him walking around. Doesn't he have a cool walk? Look at him in them skinny jeans. He looks so good. I'll get it in every Sunday if I have to. <clears throat> He's literally talking about you to your heavenly father. And then he said, you know what? You don't even have to stay down there. I'll seat you with me in heavenly places. The reason your passion has died for Jesus is simply because you've taken your focus off of him. And if you'll just turn your eyes back to him, and I'm experiencing this right now personally, if you'll just turn your eyes back to him, and you'll talk about him, and you will think about him, and you will read about him, all of a sudden the emotions and the passion begins to come back. And I'll close with this. I remember falling in love with, with Natalie when we were in college. I fell in love quick. She did too. Just want to clear that up. I didn't wake up every day thinking, you know what? I wonder what I can do for her. I wonder, I, I'm going to fix this in my life and I'm going to become this and I'm going to do this and this and this for her. I didn't wake up with a bunch of tasks on my mind. Natalie wasn't my boss. She is now. <laughs> I didn't wake up thinking like, I got to do all these things. You know what I woke, when I was in love, you know what I woke up thinking about? Her. I woke up thinking about her. And out of my thoughts and out of my love for her came the willingness and the, 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 literally the actions of love, they, they, they just came out of me because I was in love with the person. That's what it looks like. You wake up and you just think about him and you fall in love with the person. And guess what? When you fall in love with the person, principles start falling out. All of a sudden, you'll be so in love with the person, you'll just start, you'll just be walking in the principles. 
because your passion for him has gotten so big that your passion for any sin, your passion for any desire to prove it, it falls to the wayside because you're so in love with Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Paul said it this way, and we'll close right here. Philippians 3, I'm not gonna read the whole thing. We'll start in verse two. He says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. In other words, you gotta do something to be saved. For we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We're the ones who are truly children. And here's what he says. We rely on Christ Jesus, on what Christ Jesus has done for us. What does your life rely on? Jesus. We put no confidence in human effort. He goes on to just give his pedigree, his his list of all the great things. He's a real Hebrew. He's done this, this, and this. As far as righteousness, nobody's been as righteous as him. And then he picks up and he says in verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them, he uses the word worthless. I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. We hope you loved our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.